This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London Christmas special. Christmas cheer to everyone out there. I know that you're probably sitting around either waiting for the turkey or uh, whatever other food that you eat. You're probably sort of drinking, you've had had a bit of wine, a bit bit, bit of bubbly, a few beers. You're probably just sitting back, just chilling out. Yeah, a bit of whiskey, maybe getting over from a hangover from last night, which is Christmas Eve. You know, just like the rest of us. So what I want to say, first of all, as the Besotted crew, we want to wish all bees and everybody else out there, your friends and family, a very, very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Listen, it's been an absolutely, as we say, TV tremendous. It's been a great year. You know, 2019 is it's drawing near to a close now. And what we're going to do on this Besotted podcast today, we're just going to have a little look back on 2019, the highs and the lows. We'll be looking at the team that we've got and also what we thought, because we're coming to the end of the decade, we're going to be talking about the, well, the Brentford team of the decade. The best players from Brentford over this decade, you know, there's all sorts of choices that's gone on and, and some people agree and other people may not agree, but we're just going to throw it out there to see what people thought was our best players of the decade and also what our worst team of the decade. I think a couple of people have had a little pop at that as well to see what our worst team of the decade is. So, but listen, I'm, I'm sitting here in the Georgia Fourth Pub, a wicked pub in Chiswick, just down the high road. It's the second week in a row that we actually come down here because um, we really like it. It's really Christmassy. The staff have taken great care of us here, you know. There's a real nice vibe here as well. I'm sitting here with my Christmas chums around the table here. To my left, I've got the Cham. Cham, how are you doing? I'm very good, Billy. Uh, Merry Christmas, all of you. Hope you've had a good day. I'm sure they're all having a good day and, uh, like I said, plenty of Christmas cheer. Laney in the house, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I hope you've all been good boys and girls this year and you've uh, you've been visited by Santa this morning and you've got something nice. I 
I think I think Santa has been doing um, well. You know, the presence that he's delivered to the bees this season, I'm sure that is extra hearty, and he's, he's delivered a lots of very nice things in his sack as well to all the bees fans out there. Savvy B, how are you doing? Oh, very well, thank you, Billy. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. It's a joyous time of year, and uh, everyone's feeling good. That's right, feeling hot, hot, hot. Even though it's Christmas and it's December, so it's probably not as hot as you would really think. We got Gaz in the house as well. GP, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, sir. Not too bad. Good to see everybody enjoying themselves this wonderful day. Indeed, indeed. So listen, we're all sitting around here. We've got our Christmas hats on. You know, there's a little bit of tucker. There's plenty of food. There's plenty of drink flowing around, as it should do in Christmas. And like I said to you, it's been an absolutely fantastic year for Brentford. You know, things are looking up as they say as we're going into 2020. But we'll talk maybe about that a little bit later. What we want to do now is we want to hark and cast our mind back for the last decade because we're coming to the end of a 10-year period for Brentford and and this is a very this is this is quite a big period for Brentford because if you cast your mind back to the beginning of that 10-year period that's when things probably just started to change for us as we start to metamorphosize and go into the new Brentford so what we're going to do is we're going to cast our mind back we're going to think about Brentford's team of the decade and we're going to have a little chat about the last 10 years at Brentford so the start of the decade, 2010, um, and that was, like I said to you, it's a real transition period for Brentford because we had just been promoted to, um, well, the third tier, as it is, Division 1, or League 1, I think, as it was called then, as well. So it's the third tier. Andy Scott was our manager at the time. Um, like I said, we'd been promoted, and then we'd uh, played a number of games from September through to, you know, through to December in that year. First season back in the third tier, and then from January onwards, like I said to you, was 2010, which was the back end of that season, the first season in the third tier, um, League One or Division One, I can't remember what it's called then. And um, we did quite well, not too bad considering. I mean, it was a bit of an up and down season. We started all right, we um, we uh, you know had a, had a half decent results. Then we had a number of injuries, which actually kind of saw us sort of peter out. And I think we ended up about 18th around about sort of December time, January time. But we kind of stuck with it. We had a really wicked run towards the back end of the season. I think we, um, 13 games, I think we only lost one game out of those 13 games as well, which ended up seeing us ending the, the league in ninth position, um, like I said to you, in 2010, the, so 29-2010. So that was kind of what happened there for that. But it's really amazing to try and see exactly where we are now to the players that we had signed at that stage. Um, like I said to you, players were under me for uh, in 2010. And we go around the table here, but like I said to you, in goal, and now it's Simon Moore, Simon Moore as well. Um, Nicky Ball, Lewis Price were goalkeepers as well. But the, uh, the real key that came in was, uh, um, was uh, Chesney, the Arsenal keeper who came in on loan actually in April. No, the following year. So he came on loan as well. We've got also players like Ryan Dixon, Mark Phillips, Alan Bennett, who's the captain. Carly Osborne then was actually still just a youth player as well. It plays, remember Fraser Franks and that. We had Pim Bolkenstein as well. Leon Legg. Who sort of became a bit of a kind of a bit of a cult player with Brentford those days. Of course, Kev O'Connor was there still as well. Marcus Bean, Sam Saunders, Miles Weston, Cleveland Taylor, uh, David Hunt as well. Sam Wood, Toombs, we signed Toombs next time as well. And uh, James McCluskey, who's a youth player, I can't remember him. Carl Court, Steve Cabber, Charlie McDonald, Ben Strevens as well. And we had a few players leave us, like Lewis Graben, he left us, um, period, John Kinde. You know, he'd left us as well. Uh, Moses Adamola. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's a few players. Tommy Smith, 
he left us well so you know uh, that's, that's the Tommy Smith the, the New Zealand Tommy Smith who ended up, ended up playing for the New Zealand team as well Pittsburgh Town players so yeah it was quite, it's quite interesting to see that team isn't it Laney? Yeah it, it is um, you know I, I'll be honest with you it, 10 years ago seems a very long time and I, it was probably my least favourite time of being a Brentford fan was the, the Andy Scott years um, the, I, I couldn't warm to any of the players there were so many players coming in on loan it was it was difficult, but there, you know, going through that list there, there are some real characters. You know, Charlie McDonald is one that I still remember. Um, you know, and to say like Carly Osborne, who you, you had a chat with um, a couple of weeks back. Um, it's, on sa- it's on Saturday after the Fulham game. It's on the Pride of West dot London post match podcast. If you want to check it out? Ch- check out Carly Osborne talking to Besotted. Yeah, so you know, he's still around the club. Um, and you know, the three players that came in from Dagenham, which Sam Saunders was was one of those. You know, obviously he's he's back at, at Brentford now. So yeah, I mean it's, it's easy to kind of forget uh, those days, but obviously there was there was seeds that were sown and relationships that were built from from back then. So it wasn't it wasn't all negative, um, but we we've come a long long way as a football club, and we'll we'll I mean, we, as we go around the table we'll. We'll discuss that, but I think it really does serve us well to remind ourselves, literally, where we were a decade ago. And you know, the decades whiz past if you if you ask me, but the club itself has been completely and utterly transformed. And any of those players, I mean, you know, give any thoughts for you, Cham, or, or just bring back any memories for you? Yeah, for me, uh, the one that instantly sticks out is um, Chesney. I think he came in um, from Arsenal as this young keeper, no one had heard of. And was completely crazy. He kept saving goal after goal. Um, he must have saved us at least 15 points that season. So a really, really great player. And um, I think he was—he was just meant to come in and, and test Lewis Price. I think Lewis Price was number one that year. Um, Simon Moore was more of a youth keeper, um, but Chesney was just so much better than Price, and he was fantastic. And I, I think a lot of people want him as part of our team of the decade, even though it was a lonely. And um, his career, I think, he went back to Arsenal, became first team choice at Arsenal, played at Roma, and is now first team at Juventus, one of the greatest European clubs ever. So it just shows, all started at Brentford, incredible. Of course, and Savvy B. Yeah, I think uh, for me, there's, there's quite a few legends there, you know, people that, you know, uh, really sort of hung around for quite a while. Uh, Kev O'Connor obviously was in the team, but uh, Marcus Bean, I thought, was a superb player for us. Sam Saunders, and I thought Miles Weston had a real, real bit of, uh, you know, it was, it was like the Neil Smiley of his day. Not nowhere near as good as Neil Smiley, but that kind of excitement, that winger that would really, really attack people. I thought he was, he was a really, really good player. And uh, it's just amazing to think that we had Tamani uh, Diaguara uh, in our squad at that time. It just seems like so recent that Tamani was still in our team. So it's really nice to see, see his name on that list. And, and what's interesting, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, because, you know, some of these players, you know, a bit of folklore, you know, a bit of bees legends, as you said, players who did some real good things for us. But then when it comes to us trying to pick the team of the decade, because these players started at Brentford at the beginning of the decade and so much has gone on since then, and also, obviously, the quality of, of team and, and, and players that we've got has upped itself so much, it's actually been really hard for us to actually even try and crowbar 
any of these players into the team of the decade. Obviously, Chesney wasn't able to because uh, the rules that we had is that we said no loan players. They have to be actually signed with Brentford. But, you know, players like, OK, Ryan Dixon, sort of maybe not so. Carly Osborne, he was there for quite a while, you know, but he didn't make sort of kind of the final four. Kev O'Connor, he did make the, the final four, on, on the, on, I think, on the right back. Um, but to, to, to send, you know, Marcus Bean tried to... I tried to put him inside there, Marcus Bean, but he, um, he ended up sort of kind of falling off I think, you know, Sam Saunders even as well. And these are players who are kind of, you know, they were really close to a lot of the players' hearts. That, Gaz, anybody, you know, players there that just kind of just brings the memories back and you sort of think, you know, probably not at the time, but that was actually a real seminal moment when that player played for Brentford. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, you can always talk about, the, you know, the likes of Chesney. But, you know, I mean, I remember, um, remember Charlie Mack's first game, first home game and just scored, I think we were playing Grimsby, was it? And he scored like, Really sweet. I think first goal, Brevard's a really sweet one on the outside of his right, right foot. I mean, I think when you talk about comparing that team and this team, you can't underestimate what that team did because they'd only just, again, like this to a lot of churn in those days, a lot of low knees, but they were able to come together and really stabilise us. And rather than us ending up back down in what's now in League Two, um, you know, we ended up finishing in the top half of League One. And, and, maybe, that, maybe that's the best way to remember them. Maybe it's really a bit unfair to compare it to the team um, that we you know we, we saw recently that you know that's turned, smashed seven past Luton and's beaten Fulham. Maybe it's just best to kind of remember them as helping being a stabilising influence and just like giving us something to build upon. And that's okay. Now that's part of the reason why, again, when we ticked the the, the 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 team of the decade, we decided not to put any of the players in who were signed even this summer as well, because we thought, you know, players have got to be there for a while, give it a bit of breathing time. They've got to become part of the furniture at Brentford to a certain extent. Even though you know some players like Chris Meppham wasn't part of the furniture, even though he's there for the whole B team thing. He only actually played less than forty games for the Bs as well. <laughs> Just look at a few players there as well. I mean, players like Carl Court. I vaguely remember sort of Carl Court sort of coming in. We were sort of kind of desperate to to get a striker in, I think, because. Of, we were struggling with injuries or something like that and we got Carl Court come in and if I remember rightly he, he struggled quite badly didn't he? Yeah I think uh, he saw himself as a bit of a prima donna I think he'd come from Wolves and he'd played at the Premier League um, and he came here to little Brentford uh, where the players were still washing their own kit and stuff like that so just didn't fancy it really and a uh, bit of a disappointment and, then, and also Sam Wood of Bromley I mean he, he, he ended up being a bit of a sort of a Bit of, a, bit of a hero down at Brentford, especially especially well, just for the song, Sam Wood of Bromley, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he was a decent player. And there, there were some decent players amongst that lot. There was, you know, there was a lot of churn, there was a lot of fodder in there. I thought Miles Weston... So, so, I mean, I'd love to see Miles Weston in this team. Miles Weston at his best. He was a fast, fast player who could terrorise the defence. You know, to have him to have him on the bench now at his fittest and at his at his most potential, I think you know there, there probably would be a subspace for him. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't look back at that era with any great fondness, if I'm honest with you. But you're, we are right to pick out a handful of those players to say you know they were good and we ought to remember them. And Ryan, Ryan Dixon, I mean Ryan Dixon. He was a defender who, uh, I mean, again, looking at the team of the decade, we actually really struggled with, uh, he was a left-sided player, wasn't he? He was a left-sided player, but we really struggled with left-sided players. And Ryan Dixon was a player that we thought would go on to another level, but he, he was there for a little bit, then he kind of, he left us and, 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 and went on to bigger and better things. Do you remember Dixon? 
Yeah, um, did he come from Plymouth or go to Plymouth? I can't he, remember. he came from Plymouth. All right, went to Southampton, that's right. Yeah, I mean, he, he did look too good for us at the time, but uh, he went up some to Southampton and then it just never quite worked out for him. It's a real shame because he was a really good player, I felt. Um, yeah, I mean, le- left, left backs in general, I think we've probably struggled for quite a while. I mean, I think I remember Phil Giles saying there are no uh, left backs. This was a couple of years ago. He said, there was, there's, no, there's no left backs who are really good that we can afford. And then suddenly Henry came in really cheap or, you know, as this kind of bargain price for the kind of player we thought he was. And I remember Phil Giles saying, we got a really good one there. We were really lucky to get that. Because I think left backs are, in general, a problem. They are. So, and also, just talking about this era, like I said to you, 2010, metamorphosis time for Brentford. Um, this is the time when we were starting to look to change our style of football, trying to change what was going on. Um, Let's say Andy Scott was uh, was the manager. Can you remember who his assistant manager was there at all? Did anybody? Well, I, I have I've cheated. It's Terry Bullivan. Uh, but yeah. I mean, Terry Bullivan was um, whether he was a leftover or he came back because Terry Bullivan was involved with the the Ron Nodes um, setup. So it was it was Terry Bullivan, um, Ron Nodes himself, Brian Sparrow, R.I.P. who's who's recently passed away, um, and um, and Ray Lewington. So. You know, Bullivan used to play for Brentford as well. So there was kind of, again, there was like kind of a nod to the past there. Yeah, and so like you know, so it's like I said, transformative period. But um, and but at the time, this was the year where officially Matthew Benham had decided that he was going to put in a thousand, a million pounds to Brentford as a as a, as a, as a loan in effect. I think it was, wasn't it? And he wasn't going to put it against the top. And he says, well, there you go. Let me get some preferential shares. I'll give you a million pounds, and I'll strike a little deal with you. So that was above the board. But actually, really, what had been happening is that actually there was a secret donor, which was actually Matthew Benham before that, but no one knew who it was. So we'd been putting in money probably for a, a, a year or two before that as well. So the tr- you know the transformative stuff was already happening, and it was happening under sort of Andy Scott's reign. Yeah, and you know may- maybe it was that era you know where where Matt Benham was kind of. Uh you know that was important into building his confidence and his co- and um, his enthusiasm to sort of get a little bit deeper involved in the club. You know, obviously, you know, for him to have gone from zero to you know a hundred million or whatever it is at the moment it would have been you know too much to ask. But you know, us getting promoted um, up at um, up at uh, Darlington um, and us getting back to the second uh, the, to the third tier was obviously quite important because I don't think anyone would really want to take the club over in the in the bottom tier but we we there was something to build upon there and uh, it's you know obviously looking back at it it's just um, brilliant that we found someone like him um, and someone that was able to have deep enough pockets to be able to like fund our you know our resurgence and also I want to say and and, and it shows how times have changed as well because the I've noticed that the kit man was uh, Dave Carter, um, and, and I noticed that Dave the kit man just hasn't got the same rig as Bob the kit man, does it? No, just to be honest, half, half going through <coughs> everything support stuff as well. Can't even recognise half of those people really, so um, it's a bit harsh, but it just shows you how much a club has evolved. Um, just going back to Laney's point on on Matthew Benham, everything we see now, the new stadium. Um, the new uh, development of the training ground that's proposed to take place all of that is rooted in this season and the year after as well so these are the seeds of the beginning of New Brentford and, 
I'll just add, I mean, I, I did actually say there to find someone like Benham who had deep enough pockets, and that's that's only half the story, obviously. I think just to talk about his money is is like, a, it's not a disrespect, but it's, it's the money combined with the knowledge, and it's, it's the combination of those two that puts us in a completely different dimension to most of the other teams in the Championship and British football still. And talking about the knowledge as well, because the knowledge, again, at that time, you know, and speak to, to Matt Bennon, is that we, um, obviously, he, he still is doing what he does now. He was still had smart odds and they were still doing the kind of data analysis thing as part of his own job, his own company. Um, so that information was there, but they didn't use it um, so much in Brentford. They used it now and again, but it was too early for them to sort of kind of throw it in and actually kind of completely and utterly kind of change the way Brentford doing things. Because, you know, football is a very traditional sport. So to actually try and change football overnight wasn't going to necessarily happen. So, uh, yes, they had a few ideas. And like I said to you, I mean, Lewis Graben, apparently Lewis Graben, they decided to let Lewis Graben go for particular reasons, even though the data showed that Lewis Graben is actually doing the right things. And I think that if Benham probably had a little bit more control and sort of say at that time, Lewis Graben probably would have been a Brentford player afterwards, but we decided to let him go. But I think that the feeling from a gut reaction feel from the staff at the time was thinking they weren't sure whether or not Graben would push on, whereas maybe Benham's data at the time said he would do. But he didn't necessarily have the... You know, didn't have the sway at the time. He's just putting, you know, he was a secret person putting a bit of money in and giving a little bit of info, which is interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's fascinating. You know, and it's the evolution of the club. Obviously, mistakes have been made along the way. Obviously, there's been a huge learning curve for everyone that's been involved with the club, especially in those early um, teenies. You know, from from ten, you know, 2010 up until when we were, you know, promoted into the championship, there was it was like a huge amount of experimentation that was going on, and I guess there was people involved in the club at the time, especially Andy Scott, who probably regrets not, you know, being a little bit more sold on the, the whole project because, you know, he, he went off to Rotherham rather than stay at Brentford, and you know, it, his career went a bit south after that, where. You know, the club have, have moved on upwards. Well, I mean, he didn't. He didn't go to Rotherham. He actually got sacked, and he got, got. He did. He got. He got. He actually got sacked at the time because uh, um, what I think what's happened. Well, listen, it's, it's in the it's in the past. It's in the history, and uh, I think Brentford were on one different path, and Andy was on another path, which happens. There's a learning curve. It's happened with a few managers that we've had in our time. But eventually, I think Brentford has to do what they're going to do. And I think that we had a vision where we wanted to go. And we just only had to take people who wanted to go along with us as against, against us. And to be fair, Andy Scott did come back years afterwards because he probably realised that the mistakes that he'd made. And he said, look, you know, I'd like to work together with you. And he did. And he did a great job as a, a chief scout. Yeah, no, what I, what I really meant was like he was given opportunities to go and learn his skills and, and um, the club were going to invest in his development even more and I don't think he I don't think I think he thought that he he had a lot more of the answers himself so when it did go a little bit wrong he was he was shown the door and again all learning curves there as well I'm just going to quickly go around and you have to ask with this a quick fire question can you also remember which player was the lover man just quickly can you remember for that era uh, people thinking, what the hell's going on there? But yes, Steve Cabba, Mr. Lover Man Cabba, as we said. Um, yeah, there was there, there was quite a few sort of left field songs going around as well at the time. Again, again, what's that's what happens when you're sort of like a mid-table sort of kind of third tier side. You know, just having sort of left field songs is sort of kind of much more exciting than anything else. But listen. 
We're going to move on because it's very important for us to talk more about the team of the decade now and to see, you know, what people have chosen as their favourite players of the decade and even, we may even chat about the worst team of the decade straight after this. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, the snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, all oh, we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland, gone away. So the decade is almost over now, and we, and besides, with the help of the fans, thought we'd go back and have a little look at who we thought should be the best players of the decade and I'll tell you something this was really really hard because we decided to do it a few different ways we thought first of all let's put it out to the vote so we need to give all the fans out there some players to vote for but then what we realised is that you've got to go position by position and actually kind of sort of, sort of locking down each position and getting four players per position actually was really really tough especially as a lot of time we actually play players out of position so the left-back position for a start, you know, we've had Bielenda playing at left-back and Barbe playing at left-back when they're really centre-backs, you know. But we've just done it as best as we could do. So we put the poll out there. We've had loads of people voting, you know, I don't know how many people, sort of, you know, thousands of people that have been voting over the past day. It was only a snap poll, so we only made it sort of a day, a bit, because we just wanted to get your answer there quickly. And then we thought, let us have a look at exactly what went down. And uh, like I said to you, the team of the decade. Let me just go through it. Richard Lee in gold. We've got Dalsgaard at right back. Rico Henry at left back. James Tarkowski and Chris Meckham in the centre. Then we've got Sawyers, Woods, Watkins. You know, um, Sawyers, Woods and Watkins. You know, we're talking about midfield. And then we've got sort of Ben Rama, Malpe and Hotter as well. So it's kind of done in there. So it's like whether or not you would have put all those players into one team. But these are the players that the fans have chosen as their team of the decade going around the table there what do you think of that um first that that's a really really strong team um but i feel that alan judge is a bit missed in that in that lineup i think in 15 16 he single-handedly carried us through that season um i think he was second best player in the championship after gray who had sold so he'd probably come in maybe for watkins uh, but i must say that front three of ben rama morpai and hotter would shred any championship defense at their peak, they could destroy anyone. And um, I was, I was really surprised to um, to see um, Mepham in there. If I'm honest with you, I think he's obviously gone on to be a Prem player. Um, he, he wasn't in my my personal team of the decade, but you know, it's not to, that's not to say he's not a, a fantastic player. I think I agree with Cam um, that not having Judgy in there looks a little bit harsh on him. Um, and Lee in goal. Again, that's like, I think, Button and then we have Bentley and then obviously we can't have Raya in there because he's just arrived this season. But I think the, the, the Lee at his best, I, I think he, he, you, can, you can kind of fully justify his place in there. Uh, well, for me, Richard Lee has never saved with his head, so um, as far as I know. So I, I wouldn't have had him in, I would have had Bentley, whose distribution was superb as well. Um, uh, the, the other thing is I say, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have put Mepham in. You know, yes, he's going to be a great player. He's a good player now. We sold him for lots of money. He plays in the Premiership. But for me, I mean, I think you need a, a wise old head. And I would have gone for Tony Craig 
uh, centre-back because I think he made a, such a big difference to both Tarki and Harley Dean and brought them through. So I think you need that sort of um, sensible, sensible centre, you know, experienced centre-half. Um, again, I wouldn't have gone for, for Woods either. I would have gone for Douglas because I think Douglas was so important to our rise. He, you know, he was in the team that took us up and he was in the team that... Uh, that kept, you know, got us into the playoffs. I think Douglas was a really superb player for us. Yes, we saw him deteriorate, but it shouldn't take that away from when he was brilliant for us. He was absolutely fantastic. Really, really solidified that um, that uh, midfield berth. I, I felt, uh, yeah, front front three. You can't argue really. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Watkins in midfield is a bit dodgy because he's not a midfielder, and I would go with the others and say the judge probably deserves that spot. I think what, what it was actually is that this, this is where it's squeezing it in because it's uh, Watkins was sort of a left wing. So you had the left wing of Watkins, I know his position there, and Ben Rama kind of sort of was squeezed in somewhere as sort of an attacking player. Well, I think I, I'm going for 4-3-3. So in, in that 4-3-3, I'm afraid Watkins doesn't make it. Well, that's, but that's why we asked you to do your own separate, uh, your own separate one. You see, Stan, because uh, there's all sorts of different formations. You know, you can have a four-four-one-one. You can have a, you know, you can have all sorts of that. Yeah. So, um, Gaz, what I was going to say as well is interesting because the, the goalkeeper. I know you talked about the goalkeeper, Richard Lee. The goalkeeper vote was actually really, really tight. Where Richard Lee was on 31%, David Button was on 29%, and Dan Bentley was on 26%. Simon Law was in a, in a distant fourth place, so it was very tight between those three. So it shows that even though Richard Lee was, you know, he was at the beginning of the decade pretty much, and sort of came through, you know, the love was has carried on for Richard Lee because what happens is a lot is that people forget about the players in the past and they remember, especially if you've got a good team, the players in the future. So I think, you know, people remember the saves that he made, the penalty saves against Everton, the penalty saves against Charlton as well, which are absolutely fantastic. Gad? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that did strike me. I wasn't expecting to see the likes of um, Tarki and Richard Lee in there and even Meppen because generally you tend to... Uh, gravitate towards the players that are fresh in the mind especially as our better years have been towards the latter of the decade rather than the beginning when we were a, a league below but um, yeah I mean the big, biggest um, omission for me was um, was um, Judgy that was the biggest one who was down for me that I didn't see on here um, again one of the things I mean Judgy was voted for but again, again, it's one of those ones where I mean, Judgey was voted for, and the, and I think the where he was is the attacking midfielder he was voted for, and there was side Ben Rama, Alan Judge, and Harry Forrester. Okay, and again, it's it's difficult when you put them inside there. Side Ben Rama got seventy one percent of the vote, and Alan Judge got twenty seven percent of the vote. So again, it's one of those ones where I mean, it was quite overwhelming with those two. But it's kind of a, one of those ones, and I suppose it's like you know the England team where you know do you you know who do you pick in midfield? I oh, will just throw them all in there, and with Alan Judge, you know, can you? Have Alan Judge and Saeed Ben Rama and Hotter and Watkins and, and can you have them all in the side? You know, you'd love to if you could do. Thing is that that's a conundrum because do you pick the best players or do you actually pick the best or are you picking the best team? You know what I mean? That's, well, this this, this that's poll this poll is this poll is sort of picking the best team because you're picking <laughs> players up against each player, really, aren't you? We, we, we said we set the rules as we have because. The tendency was going to say the best team was going to be last Saturday. Yeah, you know, that, 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 that was the problem. We did we we wanted to avoid that because you know, it, we, and also it's not the most valuable. The team that we that has been picked is not the most valuable Brentford team either. There's some players in there that you know we didn't get big transfer fees when they left. 
So it's, it's an interesting one. It, you know, there was you could have picked it on so many um, different levels and different criteria. I mean, we're going to go back to other people's separate because it makes right interesting listening um, to other people's teams themselves. But you know, when we're talking about the centre backs and people are confused about Chris Meppham, so you know, we had Chris Meppham and James Talkowski, 39% and 36% of the votes that they got, and then Harley Dean and Tony Craig. 12 and 13 so even though Tony Craig was really instrumental in that promotion winning team people sort of thought Tony Craig mm, I'm not sure and then the players that we've had since then you know we've had Konza we've got Jean Vier you know we've got sort of quite a few sort of set um, Egan but again it didn't seem that these didn't even though they're good players they didn't resonate when it came to sort of kind of sort of like who was you know Harley Dean was part of our champion you know our championship promotion side Tony Gray was part of our championship promotion side you know Chris Meppham was just a good player that came through and he's gone on to better things so it's quite difficult but it's all a bit of fun as well but it's a good little indicator well I mean that was the I mean that was the first one I was sitting down you were looking at Harley Dean and I know he's not um, flavour of the month with Brentford fans at the moment but then when you sat down and looked you know how you know, how much a big player he was when we got promoted, how much a big player he was in our season when we got to the playoffs. And he's and he's he scored it, you know, one of the only Brentford players I've seen score at Wembley other than Robbie Cook. Yeah, so I mean when it comes to midfield, Romain Sawyer's just an interesting player as we talk about him. He was a player that was loved by Brentford fans. Eventually he did get a little bit of grief um, in his first season from you know from some section of the sport who who didn't probably quite get what type of player that he was, but he definitely grew with Brentford fans and he went up against Yuko Inaris, Adam Forshaw, Jonathan Douglas and he got 73, which is pretty resounding, 73% of the vote. Where you know, So I think that, that goes to show you that he's firmly sort of kind of crowbarred themselves in there. Interestingly, the other midfield side, we had um, sort of slightly more defensive. Ryan Woods went up against Toombs, Kemo Makocho and Alan McCormack and Ryan Woods came up with uh, 57%. Toombs came up with 24% as well and the other two got sort of paled into insignificance so I suppose in a way that you know Ryan Woods is a very popular player but also probably goes to show you how uh, popular Toombs was especially you know as we said he started in 2010 and he was coming through so he was, uh, he was a player that actually resonated with a lot of Brentford fans and he was there for a very important time for us and did some really good work for us didn't he? Yeah, Toombs really did reinvent himself, didn't he? He went from you know quite a, you know an averageish kind of player to to someone that on his day would probably still get in this team. Um, we, we we missed him for for a while after he went, and uh, we did struggle to get that kind of that kind of defensive midfield kind of the person that would anticipate the ball he knew where it was going to drop he'd get there he'd have like you know iron lungs he'd have an engine that would last you the, the whole 90 minutes he, he was he was a really good player for two or two or two yeah a couple of years there um, and he he was there from the you know from throughout that decade pretty much as well so yeah tombs tip my hat to you yeah just following on lady's point tombs represents probably the best redemption story at, at Brentford during our promotion season, I think he was sent on loan to Portsmouth for a bit. He wasn't even in the uh, the 18 that make up make, make the squad. Uh, and then the season after in the championship, comes out of nowhere, starts spraying the ball around, attacking, defending, playing little nutmegs, and he just turned in. He was our uh, voted player of the season that year as well, and it's just absolutely brilliant. And um, when we sold him to Leeds, it was quite gutting. He was a definite fan favourite. Uh, I still remember we always wanted him to score so we can run on the pitch and. Um, never got to see that at the end, but it was a great, great player, and um, we've only finally really replaced him now with Norgard signing. So, <laughs> and, 
and on the on the striker front, I mean, you know, the strikers was Neil Malpay against Clayton Donaldson, Andre Gray, Scott Hogan. Quite difficult then because you know we were going, do we put VBA in? Do we not put VBA in? You know, and I think there's a few others as, as well. But you know, in the end, we settled for them because Scott Hogan obviously did what he did in a period of time. Then Andre Gray, part of the playoff side, Clayton Donaldson was one of the you know the side that actually got us promoted. So we thought these are key players, but Neil Malpay absolutely wiped the floor with this you know 83% of the vote then other than that everybody else was just paled completely into insignificance I think uh, Andre Gray was next with 7% and then we went lower than that so that's kind of where we're talking where Neil Malpay undoubtedly is uh, he, he, he is loved by Brentford and we know that he's an absolutely brilliant player for us of course he's going to be missed but we now have to move on to the to the to the to the, to the next era. And, you, and you, look what, you look what he's doing at Brighton at the moment. You know he doesn't look out of place in the Premier League. He's got a man of the match the last couple of games when you know um, they got a draw against Crystal Palace and they beat Arsenal at uh, the Emirates. And he, he, he looked the real deal. And obviously um, Andre Gray had a, a phenomenal first season when he went to um, to Burnley. But I think I think more pay out of all of that all of that sort of. Um, um, comp- comparison, all those that is com- competition in that in that position. I think he he will have the biggest future in the game. And just quickly, because as we said, this team of the season uh, or the decade, sorry, we said that there's no loanies and there's no players from this summer should be signed in there. So there's no Pontus Janssens, you know, there's no Raya, which is because we thought it just gives a, a a good indication of the players who have been there for a period of time. Because sometimes you may have a player who's brilliant in your first six months or a first season, and after that he may peter off a little bit so you want to give them have a little bit of time so that they can actually see what they like and these players if they're any good they'll be in the next team of the decade but what we what, 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 what we thought no no so what we thought we'll do as well just throw it out there because there's no loanies were allowed we just asked who do you think the loanie of the decade is so that we could just get a vibe for that we went Pritchard uh, Chesney Trotter and Saville we threw in there there's a few other people that we could have thrown in there as well I mean what other names was there there's like Ben Hamer for a little bit Swift was a decent low knee as well. You know, we had quite, you know, we had quite a few names for the sort of kind of low knee. You know, we had um, um, Bradley Wright Phillips, John Terrell, we had um, John Adiemi, Rob Keane, and Liam Moore. You know, uh, Schlup. You know, um, Lewis Grab. No, Lewis Grab had actually left before I think that period of time as well. You know, so um, Rob Keane and uh, Bradley Wright Phillips. So yeah, so that gives an idea of the sort of players that we had in that. But we actually sort of kind of brought it down to. Pritchard, Chesney, of course, because he is who he is. Trotter, obviously, because that season, you know, Trotter was a was a big player for us, and also George Saville in our promotion um, season as well. And uh, it was quite tight actually, but only between two players. Alex Pritchard won it, forty nine percent, and Chesney got forty one percent. You know, so it's quite tight between the two, where they thought those were the two big players. And other than that, Trotter got eight percent, and Saville got a, a measly one percent. You know, he wasn't uh, obviously didn't go down particularly well with the Bees fans. Probably after his badge kissing episodes, but when he's at Mill, he's at Millwall. I mean, what do you think of that as a loan? Because if we could have, there's a lot of people said if we bought if we had bought Pritchard in, we would have been a different side uh, at Brentford. Whether or not we would have been uh, uh, or not, I don't know because you know. But I mean, thought of that. Well, we did. Uh, we did try to buy Pritchard, I believe, uh, at the end of his loan for two million. We offered uh, Tottenham, but um, uh, Norwich offered eight million, so we, we couldn't compete. So, uh, but yeah, I think ultimately they probably that, that's probably about right. I think those those two players, Pritchard and Chesney, were easily the best loanees we've had in the last decade, and uh, Pritchard was absolutely magnificent for us that first year, reaching the playoffs with a player like him in the side. We played some bloody good football. Him, 
Judge and Hotter, uh, just just that behind behind Gray were just magnificent. That they would just swap positions all the time, terrorise defences. They, they were brilliant, and Pritchard was the, was the man I felt. And I think the scenario issue with Pritchard is that he actually left to go back to Tottenham because he thought that he's actually going to make it in the Tottenham team. So he sat there in Tottenham and he kind of just didn't get any games for them in their sort of under-23s or whatever it's like that. And then after a while, that's when he decided to try and make the move and uh, he was actually went down to Brighton and he apparently signed a deal. You know, he signed a deal with Brighton pretty much. The deal was done. And then apparently he turned around on the motorway when the Norwich phone call came in and Brighton was sitting down there waiting for him to sign and he went off to Norwich and signed a deal with them. So he wasn't particularly popular in the south coast Gaz the old, the old dodgy sat nav <laughs> but um, yeah I mean I can only agree Pritchard was my vote you know he was absolutely fantastic that season and um, was a quality player and uh, I can only repeat what other people were saying around this table had, had, he, had he had a second year at Brentford would have been interesting to see how he would have developed the Norwich you know probably wasn't the only player that ended up you know one of our loanees that went to Norwich and it just didn't work out for him but um, yeah for me he was he was miles ahead I know Chesney again fantastic keeper but you know he's what Brentford Arsenal Roma it's all been downhill for him since he left us um, another one that could feel a little bit hard done by and not really been in the mix up there is like Forshaw I thought, I thought Forshaw, you know, at his best was was really good for us. You know, you know no, no, I'm talking about, you know, in, in that central mid position. But, you know, you compare him to, um, to Pritchard, you know, Pritchard, we had his squabbles, didn't we, on our WhatsApp group. You know, why isn't Pritchard, why can't we vote for him in the, in the team? But I think, it, I, think it, I think we decided right not to have lone players. Well, I don't know, because I said that's one of those anomalies that he played... More than Meppen, but Meppen made the team in a decade. Gone away is a bluebird here to stay. Is a new bird. He's singing a song as we go along, walking in a window in a so, I mean, just coming back to that, because obviously there was a reason why we didn't say loanies, but also we've just done a, a few different combinations and we've sent it out to people to give their points of view as to what they think the team should be. And this is a few with a few different rules in place. So we had um, Ali Malali, who was really upset that we weren't allowed to allow loanies. So he said, tell you what, Ali, you can have a loanies in your team, but nobody from summer 19. So nobody from last summer, you can have loanies. This is her team. She's got Chesney in goal. She's got Logan at right back, Tarkovsky and Mepham in the middle. She's got Rico as well. Um, and then she's got, uh, sorry, Logan at right back, uh, right back, Rico at left back. Then she's got Hotter, Woods and Sawyers. And then Pridge, uh, Judge Pritchard and Hogan. And that's her team. Um, yeah, so what do you think about that? Yeah, That's a brilliant team. Um, Logan's quite interesting though. Uh, I think Darsgaard and Colin probably ahead of him for me, but... It's a very, very good team. I thought, I thought Shay Logan was was real quality for at least one full season there, and he really did kind of like encourage us to play that wing back a, a lot. You know, he, I don't think he wasn't as quick as you know Rico. Um, I know the different sides, but you know, it, I, I just think that he he was someone that kind of started to raise the bar of what we expected from players. Uh, I think with with Logan, I was at the. Um the fans forum thing with um, with Uwe and somebody asked him uh, why why have you why are you not playing Logan and he like stared back at this person he says why do you think I'm not playing Logan 
bloke, I, I don't know, I don't know, I'm asking you. He says, because he keeps giving the ball away. And that's when he swapped Alan McCormack to right back. And it made a massive difference to our season, actually. So, uh, you know, may, maybe Logan isn't the right person to right back. Sorry, Ali. Oh, there you go. So, look, so that's Fisherman's. That's Ali Mullally and her thoughts as well. Now, we also um, had another little switch where we said, tell you what, let somebody put down their team, which includes signings from this summer so you could put in Raya and Pontus and you know and, and, and Norgard and Jensen and all these lot there uh, but you're not allowed any low knees so we asked the Allard and the Allard he came back with more goalkeeper Dalsgaard um, and Henry as your fullbacks he had Mepham and Pontus Janssen in the centre and then we had Douglas Bococcio and Sawyers in the mid and they had Hotter Benrama and Gray so that's an uh, interesting team yeah no, I mean, it's nice. It would be nice to have seen Gray play with Ben Rama um, and, and Sawyers as well. And, 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 and yeah, I, I thought Gray was someone that really did benefit from Yossa and Pritchard. Pritchard was able to to, 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 to see those runs. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not so sure that. Well, yeah, obviously Sawyers could pick a pass as well. Yeah, no, it's an, it's an interesting interesting lineup from the Allard there. Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the choice of Gray is really interesting because the the only reason I never chose Gray in mine is because of Mopes, just just simply because Mopes was just that much better. Gray, I always remember needing five good chances to get a goal, and uh, the thing is, in that year we were creating chance after chance after chance, so he was getting the goals, but he was very very wasteful, and uh, I don't I don't think Mopes has ever been that wasteful. And the one thing the Allard said he says interesting because Watkins and Remo don't make it in it, even though technically they actually uh, they could have done. So it kind of goes to show you how the, it feels that the bar has been raised by by, by previous players. Um, let's just go to another team as well, where I've said the best team of the decade, which can include summer 2019 signings and also Loney. So everybody, anyone who's played for us for the whole decade. So we had KEB Graham as well, and she's gone for Chesney in goal, Dalsgaard. Janssen, Tarkovsky and Henry. Then we've got Diagraga, Sawyers and Ben Rama, Saunders, Malpay and Watkins. Gaz? Yeah, that is, yeah, that, yeah that's an interesting team. Um, the Dalsgaard one, I, I always thought, is Dalsgaard going to get the votes? Because imagine if you did this a year ago. I suspect he wouldn't have got the votes. But again, like, you know, the way he's played this season, he's just played himself into um, played himself into contention. Again, it's you're looking at people like Jansen who have played like you know 20 games for us, uh, like you know comparing it with a lot of the other you know like De Garaga who, who was you know almost with us a decade. But um, yeah, it's but no, I think that again, I think that is a very good team. I mean, what is interesting in that team, and I'll come to Sav in a minute, uh, you've got Sam Saunders in there. So everyone would have thought you would have Hotter in there. So is this coming from a sort of the, the warm feeling that Sam Saunders uh, gave Kate when he used to play for Brentford? You've got Hotter, you've got no side Ben Rama. You've got this, yes, you've got side Ben Rama. Sorry, but you've got no Hotter, which a lot of people in there. There's no Alan Judge in there as well. So, you know, you got, and this is not criticising the team, but just sort of pointing these things out, how difficult it is. You know, no Pritchard in the side either, as well, when you had the opportunity to bring a Pritchard in there. The only loney is, uh, is Chesney. I, th- I think what's happened here is that Katie's gone with her heart. And I think, uh, I-, I-, I did a bit as well. I mean, I went for Kev O'Connor as right back, because of my heart. But I looked at Greville Waterman's team. I th- you haven't been through it yet. But it's purely from the head. 
and that that's that's fine you know that is you know probably you know your head says that's the best team but i think you football is about passion it's about all sorts of things and i think you have to sometimes choose people from the heart people that really made a difference to you made made you enjoy watching that game and i think i think uh, Kate Katie's is is a little bit from the heart people like Sawyer, uh, Saunders are you know uh, you know there there's better players we've had better players in a decade but you know at the time he was like fantastic and you know it really really helps but I, what i've noticed from everybody's team I, th- I don't think there's one team that hasn't got henry as their left back so uh, greville waterman talking about that because you mentioned it so we thought we'd bring it up he's gone uh, for more in goal dalsgaard talkowski mepham and henry and then in the midfield sawyers woods and judge and then we've got hotter malpay and ben rama um, and that's from that's his, which you think is very much from the head. So it's interesting that because you know Laney said that he never thought that um, Mepham, you know, was 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 your man. But like nearly everybody has actually chosen Chris Mepham in their side. I think with Mepham we see the beginnings of the B team model. This is a guy that was in our academy, was then developed through the the, the B team from its um, induction in 2016, jettisoned into the first team. Um, had a really bad first game against Norwich in the Cup. I think he gave away a penalty, he was quite poor, but he built upon that. So much so that Bournemouth came in twice, we directed him. Eventually they gave us an offer which we couldn't, couldn't resist and it just shows you a development of a player from the academy all the way to the first team and now the Premier League and Welsh International as well and deservedly so. See, I, I, I thought uh, Mepham benefited massively from having Bielend next to him. So, you know, without Bielend in that team, would, 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 you know, does Mepham deserve to be in that team? And, I, and I, you know, we're, we're talking about the players at their best. You know, all of these players, Sawyer's um, at his best, and then you've got Sammy Saunders at his best. You know, they, they all deserve to be sniffing around that team. But of, of Katie's team, I probably wouldn't have included Toombs or Sam Saunders. But that was um, one of the points when I said about picking a team to picking the best team or the best players. My thing with Mepham is that we never saw fully developed Mepham. A lot of our rating of Mepham, in my eyes, is on you know on what he's he's likely to become in the future. He's probably a better player now than he was when he was with us. But again, we were quite leaky when he was in the team. Again, that wasn't down to him. That was just the way we were. Obviously, how much tighter we are this season, but um, yeah, to me, Mepham didn't make my cut because I just didn't think. You look at something like she's got Dia Garaga in there, who we saw the best. You know, we saw the best to Dia Garaga. I don't think the best Mepham played for us. We're going to go for just a few more people's teams, then we're just going to move on a little bit as well. Gemma, the amazing Gem Teal. When you're talking about doing your head, do it from your heart. Gemma's definitely done her team from her heart in goal. <coughs> is uh, Simon Moore and then in defence you've got Henry Craig says Chugs Tarkowski and uh, King Kev O'Connor then she says in midfield you've got Saeed Toombs Sawyers and she says between Canos and Saunders I can't choose I'm not that strong <laughs> and, and then up front she's got Neil Malpay and Lasse Vibe now that's an interesting from the heart team anyone want to yeah Sav yeah, well, she, she's, uh, she's got my back four, actually. Uh, Henry, Craig, uh, Jagger, Judas and uh, Kev O'Connor. I mean, that is, that is from the heart. But I think putting Craig in is, is a really good move because he, he brought Harley Dean and Tarky through. 
that experienced central midfielder, like David was just saying about uh, Mepham benefiting from Bieland, and I think now we've got Pontus who is benefiting the rest of the back four. I think you have that experienced, uh, sussed organiser at the back makes a massive difference. I'm glad Lasse Vibe's got a mention, to be honest, because yeah, he was another selfless, tireless, workaholic player. Um, and, you know, I still remember getting was it one or two goals at Portman Road. Um, they were just gorgeous, gorgeous goals. And he, he was a very intelligent player um, and a lovely guy. And um, it's nice to see him at Mitteans at the moment. So, you know, I think he's, he's someone that could probably come back and do a coaching job at some, some stage in the future. He's got it all upstairs. For another one of our sort of listeners as well, because we asked, you know, all the besotted um, listeners to just, you know, write in, you know, and just give us their teams of the decade and marvellous Matt has, uh, has written in and he's given us goalkeeper actually he has obviously not read the rules David Raya okay let's just go you know you can have you can have the latest play as well David Raya in goal Moses Odebarger right back Rico Henry left back James Tarkowski and Chris Mepham again Mepham's right in there centre backs uh, Ryan Woods uh, defensive midfielder left wing Hotter uh, right wing Alan Judge <laughs> Romain Sawyers centre mid uh, Neil Malpay centre forward and side Benarama interesting centre forward so it's like how do you squeeze Benarama into the side this is how we do it uh, any thoughts on this side at all well I just hope we've still got side Benarama to consider as in the team for the next decade as well hopefully he's not going to go in January and that was the, that was the other reason we didn't include people like Pontus Janssen because you know what happens if he buggered off for 30 million in January you know he would have only been here for half a season so we've got no crystal ball here so you know the, I, I, what I do know is that in 10 years time I think the decisions are going to be even tougher than they have been this time round. That's right I mean let's just uh, so listen we've done quite a lot of and what we're going to do as you're reading this now also just check out besotted.com. there'll be an article there which will be the team of the decade article we're going to put out loads of people's teams of the decade um, in all sorts of different formations you know besotted crew people that have written in their team of the decade so which is uh, which is uh, you know which is going to be all good but tell you what we also thought we'd do as a little bit of a laugh we thought not only we're going to have the team of the decade let's see if we've got also the team Brentford worst team of the decade so we've got the Waterman, Greville Waterman as well. He's put his worst team of the decade, which was Simon Royce in goal. Then we've got Mickey Spillane, Marcel Eager, David McCracken and Stephen Wright in defence. We've got Kirk Hudson, Cleveland Taylor and Martin Filo in midfield. Then we've got Big Nick Proswich, Paul Hayes and Will Grigg up front. And the sub is Philip Hoffman. What do you think of that? Any any hands up on that? You want to give a little view on that? No, I think Hoffman might be upset that he only made the bench. <laughs> Anyone else on that? Yeah, Will Grigg for sure. Listen, Will Grigg. <laughs> I am actually not happy that Will Grigg made this team at all because I think he was one of the best Brentford players that has ever been. But that's because I'm uh, representing him um, uh, at a cut rate deal. Shem, I had um, I had Akaki Gogia in mind because he he came in with a lot of hype. But to be fair, he's now a Bundesliga player, so maybe. The talent was there, we just couldn't unearth it, unlike um, many others, as we mentioned today. So, maybe one that was missed. 
I think Gogia came from the hype of being basically a player who was like worth about 50p and they were going to sort of kind of make him into something as opposed to being a sort of a, it was a definite trial and if it doesn't go right then it doesn't really matter it was a lot of pressure we just just lost the Middlesbrough in the playoffs and we were hoping that the wave of new signings was going to take us on the same with Kirschbaumer um, you know I think if we'd given them you know a chance in this team with a lot of, bit less pressure on them they probably would have uh, you know they would have flourished a little bit more but yeah they, we 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 haven't had that many awful players but um, I think um, I think Bonham would certainly be in goal for my, in my team as well well at the, at the beginning of the season as well beginning of the decade it'd be interesting you know if you pluck out some of the players from there because some of the players that are at the beginning of the decade I'll have to admit I don't even remember some of them playing for Brentford so uh, if you can't remember them you know they've obviously haven't haven't done that silky little turn that you that you talk about in the pub the only thing is they're, they're really bad they'd be on that list yeah. so listen Chan but you actually did your own little uh, worst so you want to read it out again? yeah so in, in goal we've got uh, Jack Bonham um, he came to us uh, from Watford after that infamous slip that he did in, in their game uh, for me the overriding memory of him was the disaster class of the Oxford um, League Cup game at Griffin Park where he literally put in two in the net and it was terrible Scott Barron came um, from Millwall with Tony Craig left back he was pretty terrible. I think he did okay as a left midfielder for a while, but he wasn't great. He's, he's now an agent. He's Sawyer's agent, and uh, and I think he, he, he basically pretty much he, he sold all. The, he, he kind of stepped in and sold all the players to to Birmingham City, the the, the Birmingham Three, as we call them as well. So uh, he's 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 doing all right for himself. Uh, yeah, the next one centre back Ben Nugent, unknown from Cardiff, just couldn't defend. He scored a few goals to be fair, but just couldn't defend, um, and he was sent back. Uh, Rafael Calve was someone we got in from our development squad. Was part of the five-nil drubbing away at Derby. It wasn't great. His biggest role actually was uh, playing in the, in the "Come on, you Brentford" video. Actually, <laughs> so we, uh, they sort of dragged. I think they wanted to give him something to do because he's like he hadn't, hadn't played any games or anything like that. So they dragged him out for the sort of "Come on, you Brentford" video. So uh, he was very good in that, though, wasn't he, lady? Yeah, brilliant. Right, it was French, wasn't he? French, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lo- lovely accent. <laughs> uh, final defender there is Michael Spillane. Literally, I couldn't think of anyone. I just try to have a flashback to my um, younger times. Wasn't Spillane part of the the the, the, um, the Dagenham Three? Was no, he? No, no, no. So yeah, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about them quickly. Actually, just yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, <laughs> the Dagenham Three, they were quite quite. The Dagenham Three were just an interesting bunch. Uh, of Who were them again? Just to remind people, it was uh, Danny Foster, Ben Strivens, and uh, of the legend that is Sam Saunders. And we brought them in because, uh, because basically we beat them and then we, we uh, tagged them or something like that, didn't we? And Andy Scott goes, I quite like these players, so we brought them next season. Yeah, I think there's, they were uh, Dagenham in the league below us and um, Scott had, had noticed them throughout the year, previous year. Brought them up in our first year back. Uh, Foster was all right. Strevens, I think, scored a great goal away at Leeds, didn't he? And did some, there, was, there, was a, there, was a nice, there was a nice goal there. Saunders, of course, was actually frozen out by Scott initially. Then when Scott was sacked the year after... Um, Nicky Forster brought him back in caretaker manager and then Saunders has just risen up the leagues with us and is now um, teaching the next generation of Benford players as assistant coach so uh, he's now in a Hall of Fame as well so interesting times that's right so just coming back to your worst Brentford team of the decade go on yeah Akaki Gogia um, came in we all thought he was going to be this next gem didn't really do it a bit harsh to be fair he's the Bundesliga player now uh, Marcus Tabar we all thought he was some sort of Spanish guru Again, didn't live up to the hype. Uh, Ryan Williams, who actually came in as a free kicks, 
ball kicking specialist. But then he played. He came from Tranmere. He played in that. Um, was it Tranmere or was it Macclesfield or something like that? No, it was Tranmere. I think it was Tranmere. Yeah, and he was, he was terrible for Tranmere apparently. Um, Cleveland Taylor, he got sent out alone in disgrace. And then up front, Nick Proschwitz, um, emergency signing, pretty terrible. And then has a pretty dodgy, uh, dodgy ending to Brentford and dodgy um, in his other clubs as well. Got sacked from a few. And then finally, big uh, Philip Hoffman, under 21 German, complete flop. Probably the worst signing in the Benham era ever. Okay, and just quickly, just one last one on this as well. We've got Jay Ole, who uh, came to us on Twitter as well with his worst Brentford team. Um, no, this is not his worst. This can't be. Sorry, this is not his worst. I asked him to put it on the worst one. This is actually his best Brentford team, so I'll come back to that. So he's got David Button, and then at right back, he's got Alan McCormack. He's got left back Dalsgaard. He's got uh, left back Dalsgaard, right back Alan McCormack. Okay, he's got centre big Dean and centre back Tarkey. Got right wing Sammy Saunders, left wing Ben Rama, uh, centre mid Douglas and Sawyers, um, CAM is Jota, and Malpay is a striker. So again, it's one of those ones where you're trying to fit your best players into the side in one way. Savvy B. Yeah, I really want to, I mean, I've been chiming at the bit to add somebody to the worst team, and that's uh, Robbie Nielsen, who we got on loan uh, as a right back from uh, Leicester City. And uh, he kept, because, because the deal we struck with Leicester City is that we had to play him. And it was really annoying because he turned out to be pretty, pretty crap. And he kept uh, uh, King Kev out of the team. And once we got to the bloody LDV final, and he still kept L, uh, Kev out of the team. So Kev didn't play against uh, Carlisle in that LDV Cup final because of bloody Robbie Nielsen, who was rubbish anyway. So that really, really annoys me. And I bet you... I bet you he's not on Kev's Christmas card list. I bet he's not. And look, talking about Christmas list, it's Christmas and hopefully you're enjoying the Christmas podcast. Thanks very much for listening. We're going to carry on here. We're having a couple of glasses of, I'm going to go get a glass of wine now, feeling very, very festive. I might even have a bit, bit of port. Have a bit of port, that's right. A bit of mulled wine and a bit of cheese. You go out there and get a little bit of cheese. And when we come back after the twang, we're going to be having a few Christmas memories and talking about our favourites, um, the best and maybe even the worst of this last year. So I hope you're enjoying your Christmas day, or it might be after Christmas day that you're listening to this. We're really enjoying it as well. Glass of wine is well and truly in effect. Some of you people don't drink out there. You might want lemonade or a lasse or something like that. Listen, have whatever you want to. To enjoy yourself, like I said, too, as long as yourself have a very merry Christmas or a very happy holiday, as it is. But we're going to be talking about um, Christmas memories because obviously, in Christmas Day and around about Christmas, football is always associated in and around Christmas time. And I'm just going to go around the table to find out if any of you guys have got any Christmas memories. Laney? Well, I'm going to take not a, not a personal memory, but let's go back in time. I'm going to take us back to 25th of December. 1958 it was the last Christmas Day fixture at Griffin Park so Brentford took on Swindon Town 2-2 draw in front of 12,504 people I'm not quite sure if that would work these days if you can you imagine sort of like making your excuses to the family and say you're off to the football let alone an away game on, on Christmas Day and to make matters worse Boxing Day the next day we were Swindon away, so we played them at home on that Christmas day, 
and we played them away on uh, on Boxing Day. And again, the, 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 it's almost identical crowd, 12,690, and 100, 100 more at Swindon, and it was a one-all draw, so two points shared over Christmas. But that was that was like a fairly regular occurrence that you would play the same team home and away on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. I mean, we did it against Bolton once in the 30s. So Bolton came down to Brentford and then they all, everyone got the train back together up to, up to Burnden Park. Was it or Blundell Park? Burnden Park. And then uh, they played in the next day. So, you know, we, we think, this, we think like, it's a busy time of, for fixtures in uh, 2019. But going back a few years, actual football day, football on Christmas Day would have been, I think, the straw that broke the camel's back in some households. Yeah, uh, unfortunately my Christmas memory is a bit of a nightmare. Uh, it was Boxing Day 2014, so our first season in the Championship, playing Ipswich at home. Um, they were around us in the league. Whoever won, I think, went top. Um, so I was buzzing, I had my Christmas lunch um, the day before, had my sort of uh, Boxing Day meal, went to the game, and I think we were 3-0 down first half. Daryl Murphy was wrecking us. We looked a bit... Harley did in particular looked a bit hungover, I must say. Um, Saunders came on second half to score two, but we lost 4-2. Quite a dispiriting game. I think all of us were really, really looking forward to going top. We had an incredible November where we smashed Wolves 4-0, um, beating Fulham in that incredible game as well. Uh, Gray and uh, Mark Wolverton won Player of the Year and Manager of the Year, respect. sorry, Player of the Month, Manager of the Month, respectively. So... Yeah, that's my um, my memory of that time. It's not a great one to be honest. And I remember what I remember about that game is around that time. I mean, it's our first season in the championship, and it was like we were like kids in the sweet shop at the time because we just didn't know what was going on. It's just everything was just brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, we start at the beginning of that season. You know, this is like this is six years ago now, so this is quite deep into this decade as well. It wasn't like last year, or the year before. We started the season. And we were just wanted to just be finished 20, 21st, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, we said, oh, as long as we just finished you know, just above the playoffs, uh, uh, the relegation zone, we'll be delighted. Then all of a sudden, like, you know, we had an all right start. And then we beat Derby, I think it was, in, in, in November. And then, boom, it just kind of just kicked off from there. And then it was just like, whoa, then Fulham in the last minute. And also, oh, it's just, oh, this is brilliant. So when it came to Christmas time, we were like so excited. And I remember we played Ipswich for the first time in a, in a really long time. And we managed to you know, pull out one of the little things that we pull out the cards as Besotted do. And we managed to get, remember, the old free promotion and we, for Brentford fans. So we went to Fullers and said, look, just give away free beer to all Brentford fans in all the pubs. So we went to end up having the Globe, the, 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 the Nelson, Princess Royal and the Griffin, I think it was. And basically it said free beer to Brentford fans and Ipswich fans as well, just as a Merry Christmas, as a part of Besotted and Fullers, and we did that, and it was a massive free beer giveaway, and we had a, it was a right good drink-up, actually, it was. It was a shame the result didn't really go according to plan, but <laughs> probably in a strange way, it probably made the, made the result appear a little bit better, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a brilliant gesture by Fullers, and there's a, you know, I remember sat down the pub, me and you, thinking about it, see if we could pull it off, and you know, I'm glad we did. It's one of those things that we'd always remember that we've done. But I remember us using the C word quite a lot that season, consolidation. And that was all it was about for us, really. It was getting into the championship and not coming straight back down again like we'd done before. But I think we've consolidated now. I think, I think we're established. Savvy B. Yeah, I go back to the 90s for my holiday festive period game. And that was a down, uh, away game at Dean Court. 
and I all I can remember now I mean I remember it was just an amazing game uh, and we definitely won I remember that but it was kind of completely mad there was about three penalties about three sendings off it was a completely mad game there was loads of missed penalties as well from Bournemouth and it was just like a really crazy game and it was like ended up 4-2 or something daft like that and it was just like uh, just completely mad it was like a proper Christmas game you know but you know, historically, like Christmas games all end up like 6-4 and 7-5. And this was like one of those completely mad games. And it was only in the 90s. It wasn't that long ago. No, I think, I can't remember what year it was. It was actually my first year of having a season ticket at Brentford. And, um, you know, being fairly young, I'd probably had a few too many baby shams Christmas Day. Woke up the next day and a um, bit of a sore head. Went downstairs, turned on the radio. I think to myself, right, okay, get myself down to Griffin Park, Boxing Day match. Went downstairs, turned on the radio, bit of a um, glass of water to get rid of the hangover, only to hear Brentford had scored. And I'm still in my pyjamas, not realising the game had kicked off at half 12. So it's that, that old um, chestnut. Uh, that old, talking about Baby Sham as well. Uh, people out there remember Baby Sham. I mean, I mean, it was like, I mean, I don't think I drank any, but I might have drunk Baby, baby Sham because as a little kid, that was one of those drinks that your parents allowed you to, to have a little one. He goes, oh, you can have a Baby Sham at Christmas, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so uh, you a Baby Sham? I haven't had Baby Sham since, um, since back in the, probably since that incident to be honest but I've got a question what's, what's Baby Sham what's the sort of kind of factory like that was it, was it on the Great West Road in Brentford Baby Sham yeah it was it had the old um, illumination didn't it by the Luke's Aid one like a girl or something like that it was a sort of tilting girl the baby like a Bambi thing yeah it was a Bambi it was like a Bambi and it was pear juice wasn't it it was like Perry I think yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so, yeah, so going all left field on the sort of baby sham, sort of kind of, you know, it's like the Trico, you know, we're all going back there with the Trico, just down from the Trico windscreen wiper, sort of kind of wiping thing. It was like, Little bottles. It was like um, shit champagne, really, wasn't it? Yeah, small bottles of sort of Prosecco, or sort of probably cheap Prosecco, in like really tiny little bottles. And it was... Uh, and, and it's quite big. It's like there's all this thing. Oh, I love, I love a baby sham. Like you know, what I'm saying you were meant to be sort of quite posh if you had baby sham at the time. Anyway, but you know, so obviously Gaz was uh, was quite posh uh, back in the day. You know, and for myself, um, oh, I've got to go back to. Uh, and I've talked about this a few times. Um, Christmas Day, and then you had Boxing Day when Cardiff came down and completely overran. You know, he completely and utterly misjudged it. Um, big game in the sec. The old was it the old sort of a uh, fourth division? I think it might have been at the time. It was the old fourth division. Um, so it would have been round about probably round about the Andy Scott era, was it? Or was it even before that? Um, before that, the Ron Nodes yeah, era as well. And Cardiff came down. We didn't make it all ticket, and they literally brought about sort of five or six thousand fans down. And obviously their end could only hold about one and a half thousand or two thousand. And so we had to put them in all different places in Griffin Park, in the in the Braemar Road, and we put a bit in the in the Ealing Road, and we tried to section them off. And in the end, we we couldn't take any more so we probably had about 3,000 Cardiff fans in and we locked the other 2,000 out and they literally just rampaged the place the thing of the, one of my memories of that game other than a good Herman Horidison goal was about 20 minutes into the first half the police decided well we're struggling to contain these guys let's placate them by letting some of them onto the Ealing Road but they they come up with a brilliant idea to get a bit of you know that yellow and black police tape they separated the Brentford and um, Cardiff fans with that tape. So you saw the tape go up, and then about 14, 
Cardiff fans coming about 14 seconds later, it just all kicked off. People getting punched in the face. And it, it was, well, I said, I think, well, what did they expect was going to happen? Yes, that was an interesting uh, scenario, and I think it's obviously uh, set the ways for uh, how the policing, yeah, how the policing and the stewarding is being done ever since, and uh, and uh, that's why we don't get, you know, in big games like this, we uh, we don't get any well ticket sales on the day, you know, ticket sales in advance, trying to push it forward and uh, and 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 trying to stop Leeds fans from coming in the home end to stop incidents like that happening. But look, we're going to go back to memories, memories of the past. Um, yeah, fond memories and maybe not so fond memories. We've got to try and see if we can whip through this really quickly as well because this has been quite a chunky but fun Christmas Day podcast. And I know the good thing is that no one or most people don't have any work to go to or anything like that. So you can sit down and put your feet up and just enjoy us talking about Brentford. But listen, I'm going to ask you just quickly, go around the table. I want you to be snap, snap, snap. Favourite match of the year, champ? Uh, Middlesbrough away. We often get smashed up there. Um, lost the playoff as well. So to win after a Bentley fluff, Ben Rama, amazing goal as well, was incredible. Cheat, he's stolen my one. Laney? Uh, comeback against Blackburn Rovers, probably at home. A um, couple of goals down, comeback 5-2. Some of the most beautiful, beautiful goals. Uh, Brentford had supreme confidence that day. Although we went a couple down, nothing was going to stop us. And uh, I think that was when... Um, uh, Thomas Frank started to kind of come of age. He, he was, you know, he, he proved that he could cajole this team into becoming uh, to be world beaters. Uh, for me, it's Aston Villa um, at home uh, uh, last season. Uh, Mope in the last minute just scored this wonderful, wonderful goal. The whole Ealing Road just exploded. And it was like a, it just like just. You know, just, just just took it to the side and whacked it in, and it was just beautiful. Everyone just went mad. For me, it's got to be Leeds falling apart again at Griffin Park in a two-nil win. I've got. Oh, he's already said it. Borough away from me. That was actually brilliant. The celebrations were great because we always lose there. We always go up there Tuesday night, Saturday, whenever it is. And to actually have won up there, oh uh, yeah, we did the old. Uh, yeah, we did the dance as well, which the Borough fans. But we promised. We do. It was a bet that we thought that we'd never have to get out. We ended up having to do it, but it was quite funny, and we ended up doing it. But that was great. But moving on, best signing of the year. Go on, quickly, Tim. Uh, David Rea, Bentley chucked in nine goals last season. Rea's done none of that and showed up our defence. We've conceded half as many goals as last season and that's one of the reasons we're in the playoffs I'm torn between two and they're both re-signings either Dalsgaard re-signing for us or Ollie Watkins I'm probably going to edge Ollie Watkins rather than being a new signing a re-signing because if he does go he's going to go for big money and that's important for us I've already talked about the importance of having a centre-half with a lot of experience and for me it's uh, Pontus Janssen centre-half with lots of experience who attacks the ball there's so many centre-halves we've had who just keep backing off, backing off into their own penalty box and he doesn't do that. He attacks the ball straight away and uh, it's just the absolute pinnacle, I think, of our signings this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with Sav on the um, Pontus Janssen. That, it, was, it was just a game-changer, that signing. All of it, you know, you, you remember when you first heard that rumour that we were going to sign him, we thought, no, that can't be right. And that's the kind of what we've signed this guy really we definitely mean business this season and for me I mean I don't want to double up as well but I think it's important to choose your own one and for me defence is key for us for us to actually because we've had such a dodgy defence for so long you know we've had some good players but we just haven't quite got it right and to me 
Ethan Pinnock he's a player who A he came from uh, Dulwich Hamlet as well it's a team that you know people out there know I really like but he's gone through the ranks went to Barnsley and listen to how the Barnsley fans think he's absolutely brilliant and he came to us and he started off and he had a sort of slightly dodgy start to us and I thought hmm not quite sure if he's going to make the grade but what they did is he came off and then he's done the B team training and he's trained with them and he's come back in recently and you could just see now he's such an accomplished such a, a brilliant player he just does what you need to do he's really reliable and he's the type of player that you need on the side you have so even Pinnock for me I think is absolutely brilliant best goal of the year Cham uh, for me Ben Rama at home at Tahal. Um, his first one of a wonderful hat-trick literally shimmied past three or four players and just laced it into the top right hand corner incredible player and an incredible moment oh I probably would have chosen that one as well in which case I'll go Josh De Silva at home to Bristol City when he he scored from the most outrageous filthy angle that it went into the top corner I don't know he had no right to put it there but he's got the sweetest left foot he's almost as good as mine I'm going for uh, Buemo away at uh, Swansea um, from outside the box but he was just running and then with the ball at his feet and then just, just literally one of his steps was a shot it was just incredible it's really weird to watch he's just like running and, just, and he just kicks it it's, it's part of his running style and it just goes bang into the top of the corner brilliant goal yeah for me it was um, Joshua Silva's first goal in the 1-1 draw at Millwall last season oh, yeah, I thought that you know especially since it was his first goal for Brentford and you saw him get the ball and you thought okay and I think Millwall thought there was any problem and all of a sudden it was just an, like an exocet missile straight into the top corner and for me, I'm, I'm going to go, I mean, Joshua Silva, you could choose any one of his goals from outside the area. They're so brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. But I'm going to go for Mbwemo as well. He's guys just start to come into, he's just started to come into his own. But it was that goal against Cardiff, but it was the move as well. It was how Ben Rama went down that wing. Then he did this little turn, which completely evaded all the kind of Cardiff players. Really brilliant. Then he just dinked this really clever little pass to Mbwemo, who just banged straight at the back of the net. For me, that was an absolutely TV tremendous goal. Listen, unsung hero. We're reading this off now. Brentford unsung hero. Uh, for me, Sam Saunders, assistant coach for the B team. Uh, Sam's a legend at Brentford in the Hall of Fame. And I would recommend anyone listening to check the YouTube video of him being mic'd up against West Ham. Uh, Under-23s, just the way he tries to motivate the boys and puts his own playing experience, not just at Brentford, but at all levels of professional football, onto them. And he's a, it's a real motivating factor. And hopefully he's, he's moulding the the future Brentford stars of, of, of the next season. I'm going to give my unsung hero to Peter Gillam. Um, he, he might be front of house a lot of the time, but I think he's part of the raw ingredients that makes Brentford a real cohesive unit. Once or twice we've seen, slightly embarrassing to Thomas Frank, players after they scored run to the dugout. Thomas Frank thinks he's going to see him, and they're not. They're looking for, they're looking for Peter Gillam. So, Particularly QBR, for, yeah, that was one. QBR being one of those examples. So I think behind the scenes, he plays a big part in telling the players what it means to the fans. And I, I think that you know there are one or two people, strangely recently, that have kind of suggested that he shouldn't be part of the the new stadium announcement. But he's he's like he is you know part of the fabric of our club the DNA of our club and I think he's a, he actually got a bigger part in this than we know 
Uh, for me, it's Brian Rima. Uh, I mean, our defence this season has been fantastic, and he's our defensive coach. Uh, I mean, you know, big up to Kevin O'Connor, who's like our forward coach, and he's done a fantastic job as well. But we, we really needed to work on the defence, and we've done that. And Brian Rima, big thank you. I have to say Thomas Frank. I think he's had a lot of stick at times since he's um, since he's become our manager, um, and he has never strayed away from his principles. Always played and set the team up the way he believes the team should be played, and it's turned out that he's right. And for me, it's Kev O'Connor, and the reason why Kev O'Connor has moved to assistant role, and as an assistant role, all of a sudden, like when his B team, you used to see him all over the. the you know, the Brentford channels and chatting, but now he's the assistant and he's also the attacking uh, coach as well, which is, means he's involved in us doing all these ridiculous moves, obviously with Thomas Frank as well. You know, so I think Kev O'Connor, he's, now, he's just behind the scenes doing his thing. Definitely the unsung hero. Guys, best comeback. Cham, what do you reckon? Uh, has to be Millwall at home. Just, we were 2-0 down, 10 minutes left. Incredible comeback. I've never hugged so many middle-aged men in my life. Sensational. Best performance of the of the year as well, um, Laney. Best performance of the year. I'm gonna go for Fulham. Uh, la- you know, last last home game. I, I thought that was pretty much the biggest all-round victory um, and dominant performance where we're gonna get against one of the better teams in this division. So yeah, stunning, absolutely stunning. Savvy B. What's the best off-field moment for you? For everyone. So, best off-field moment for you? For me, Thomas Frank interview. Um, I, I just thought, I thought, you know, for him to come down to our boozer, um, for, to, to answer the questions, him to be so open and honest, and to, to show so much, like, humour, really. You know, he, he could only, he could possibly only lose out of that, but he'd come out of that winning, and I thought that was an important moment. Uh, Savvy B, the best opponents that we played all year. I think it's probably even though we've uh, we've just got one on them with a three nil uh, away win. I think Swansea were amazing last year. They they did us I think ten goals to probably zero. I don't even think we scored against it. No, we, we got one. We got one in the cup. But I mean they you know it was like three nil, four one and three nil again. It was just like an incredible performance from Swansea. Uh, you know, one of those being in the cup, but uh, yeah, they they were they were so much better than us last season. Gary, um, best opponent. So as as a player, the best opponent we played against. Well, I say for me, it's got to well going back to the Swans. It's got to be Dan Jamesy, that FA Cup game. He absolutely obliterated us, and it reminded me of um, that Newcastle game when we lost four one. Um, and what's his name scored a hat trick. Um, Craig Bellamy scored a hat trick in. Um, extra time he absolutely decimated us in that FA Cup game I mean I say also Jared Bowen as well from Hull City has been a very very good player as well but yeah best opponent uh, best celebration um, Cham yeah has got to be the uh, Neil Warpai legendary player away and at home against Leeds after he scored the penalty away literally infuriated their crowd and set them into raptures what did he do just as good as he scored, put his arms out stretch. Nothing too fanciful, just sort of. But he was like literally ten yards from them, though. Literally next to them, ten yards from them, and they were they couldn't control themselves. It was incredible to watch. Really. And uh, I spoke to him, like I said, a lot of people know the story. I spoke to him uh, months later, and uh, he said that he uh, he got months of abuse from Leeds fans after that. And he he he's like they're very angry, aren't they? 
and I said, do it again in a, a few weeks' time and see how angry they got. And then they scored the goal and he did it again and they were very angry again. And then he's left and he's at Brighton now, so they're probably not so angry anymore. I'm um, guess. Yeah, no, I mean, that was that. I think that's what got me. It was that, oh, that's disgusting. He can't do that to me. And they just did it again. <laughs> Lady, um, the, most, the most nail-biting finale. Me personally, I, I, I do have to say it was Cardiff a couple of weeks back, you know. Um, we, were, we were holding on 2-1 and they were throwing the kitchen sink at us, all those long balls going into the area and we know for a fact that it's been our Achilles heel for so many years and I had to go and have a little word with myself and I had to kind of just stay there and say, this is different, this is different. If it happens, it happens. There's nothing you can do about it. Don't get stressed. And, and, and the boys, they held out and they deserved it. Savvy B, I mean, you've got a different one as well, haven't you? Yeah, for me, it was uh, Bristol City this season. Um, uh, we, we were 1-0 up and it was really nervy. They were chucking stuff at us. We changed our uh, back four to a back five. And uh, they just pumped one in and got a goal. And it was it was like the, almost the opposite of the Cardiff game where we held out, but this time we just let one in. But it was a really, really nervy last sort of 15, 20 minutes. And uh, you know, I don't think finally for this little section as well, the best song of the year. Um, as they say, oldies are goodies, aren't they, lady? Bees up, full them down. Bees up, full them down. So I think that's a little roundup. Listen, this is the besotted Pride of West London Christmas special. I hope you enjoyed that. You hope you enjoyed our memories, the fans' memories, everyone's memories, going back across the decade and across the year. You can check it out on prideofwest.london. We'll have a podcast out again at some time, maybe between Christmas and the New Year, or maybe just out in the New Year before the uh, for the next match. We're not quite sure what's going on because we've had far too much mine and mince pies and everything else. All we want to do is we want to make sure that everyone enjoys their Christmas day, has a fantastic Christmas, has a fantastic, as there's going to be a Boxing Day game as well, to enjoy yourselves Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and have a fantastic holiday period, everybody. As we say, Merry Christmas, everyone. Cheers, happy Christmas. Cheers. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, all we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans. <laughs>